1: said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything.
0: You're not depressed. It's it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most.
1: I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard. It's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody
0: to just give you permission to say you just need a little bit of help.
1: And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it it potentially might have helped some other people as well so it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone and then you hear other people talk about it and they think oh that's you know that's so brave or I could relate to that Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to Open Journal I hope you are well out there I hope things are good for you this week and yeah welcome to this fortnight's episode i'm delighted to be joined by returning guest Aaron's going to be joining us today we're going to be talking a little bit about his lived experience we're going to be talking about him being a wrestler um hosting a wrestling podcast uh getting involved with some of the digital production graphics and all the other things that go on in his kind of creative life as well around wrestling sharing some of his lived experience uh, and also some of those misconceptions that can come up when we're talking about our, our own lived experience within our own kind of mental health and well-being journeys uh, and this is I think the third time uh, Aaron's come onto the podcast so really nice to have an opportunity just to kind of sit back and have a chat um, even more casual than usual so I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, towards the end of our discussion again if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about Aaron his wrestling podcast and the other things that are doing over at wrestle plug we've got all the links there they'll be in the like the, the notes or the descriptions that come along with the podcast as well so you can have a look there if you'd like to find out more about Aaron thank you so much for continuing to download subscribe and support the podcast if you enjoy this episode and fingers crossed you do uh please do feel free to to leave a podcast review on whatever platform you're listening to this it does help other people discover the podcast and discover these conversations and hopefully help and support them on their journeys and prompt some future conversations as well if you've already left a review then maybe you're thinking about getting more involved and you'd like to even come on to the podcast yourself and share some of your own experiences and insights and you can find information about being a podcast guest on the website which is openjournalbc.com that's it those are the two things if you're if you're enjoying the podcast um, and you'd like to do a little bit more getting more involved those are two amazing ways to do that As always I really hope you enjoy this episode thank you so much for continuing to support the podcast and these conversations big thank you again to Aaron for being our guest this fortnight here is our conversation I know I've had um like I've been really fortunate there's been a few people that have come back recently and I'm like oh I'll have a look back thinking like oh it's been like i don't know six months or something and then uh, over a year um since we've had a conversation and just it's really hard to tell now like is it partly because of the last couple of years at that time seems like there's not a lot of time that passed when actually it has um i'm not really sure time feels a bit of a weird judgment at the moment
0: you sound like uh dr strange right now um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> multiverse of podcasts I, uh, <laughs> yeah no you no, you are right to be fairly i think when covid kicked in it it made a kind of i don't know it, it just feels like the last two years have been in their own entity they don't feel like normal time we've been on essentially we've had our time dictated to us haven't we by somebody mm-hmm. else
1: yeah definitely I think there's so many limitations and things and I mean, I feel like I've got, we kind of naturally rolled into a conversation before I said, "Oh, like well, let's sit down and start." But yeah, it does. It does feel. I think it feels more strange when you wrap in, um, like some of the stuff that you've been doing recently, where you're going to events where there's people gathering together, and you're kind of getting back on with, with uh, things that aren't just all remote. Mm. That's when I think it feels even more strange now because. Like you know, it's been so long since we've had the opportunity for people to gather together and to have those types of activities happen. It just, it feels so confusing where you've had... I mean, I guess time-wise there have been opportunities for some things, but there's a number of events that like haven't run for two years now and it just feels really strange to sort of start to see some of those return.
0: Normal life is... um It's very strange. Like, I think I finally got to that point. Like, obviously, we take what we do for granted. Like, Mm. living, basically. We take that for granted. And I have been very intensely aware for the last couple of years just mentally how difficult it's been how much of a I don't know it's very strange to have your essentially have your freedom taken away from you that's not something we're used to in a you know a western civilization particularly in a first well we'd like to think of first world country although Rishi Sunak's doing his damnedest to make it a third world country um and the bottom line is that like yeah no I just I feel like I've only just now got to a stage of what I would consider normality.
1: Mm. Mm. It does, it feels like a gradual, and I guess it depends, because it depends on what those things are, doesn't it? Like stuff that has, I guess, depending on the venue, outside elements or different things, they've now been able to happen arguably for the last year Mm. um, at different stages so it does feel strange that some of those have kind of continued and then there's uh yeah like like large events now I'm seeing and it's like oh it's weird to get my head around uh that's a live event that's not something that was filmed like two years I got so used to like oh that's a historical bit of filming that's not what it looks like now it's like oh no like these things are possible and they're happening again now um and that feels really positive but I it, yeah it just feels like I guess like a positively strange thing I guess still
0: I think I, it's very strange like I don't obviously you don't want to jinx it do you because at any point we could be plunged into darkness again now mm. like I think that's what it's done it's created a paranoia of sorts for people mm. like, At any point, somebody could take it away, and obviously, there's so many arguments, there's so many layers to what happens with the pandemic and things like that, because it's not something that we have a manual for, and it's not something that we've had to really deal with before either. Hmm. Um, We live in a very hypersensitive modern world, which, for better or for worse, can be progressive in some ways and not so progressive in others. But I feel like um, I just feel like mentally, it was. It was a very unnerving experience going through mm. a pandemic. Mm. I don't I don't remember the last time I was on. I don't know if I was on during the pandemic or before it or like... I can't
1: tell you time-wise because I haven't been organized enough to look. But I do remember, I think the last time we spoke, I think you just moved because I remember us talking about like you moving to Oh well,
0: that's before the pandemic. So, oh,
1: so possibly then I I feel like that was the last time. I think unless I've forgotten one in the middle.
0: Um, yeah, no. No, it's no, I'm pretty sure like I haven't spoken to you since the pandemic like hmm. in terms of the podcast at least. So, um yeah, no. Well, I mean, have <laughs> you unpacked two years like that? Right? <laughs> I mean, you don't really there was a lot to it. Um I don't know. I guess hey, you're you're in charge. You ask the questions and I'll answer them. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: it is. it is interesting. I mean, like I say, we've naturally kind of um uh, my my usual question of like, how's your last week gone has gone out the window and we kind of just rolled straight into it there. I think um that's the weird one, I guess for I would say a lot of a lot of us that have online conversations or communities or groups that we're part of, those things have kind of continued and we've interacted. and then you sort of forget that other side of maybe, actually meeting people in person or having those one-to-one conversations um because i, I remember we were like oh yes we're going to meet up we were going to meet up at, we were gonna meet up at a, like a Spoons or something or have breakfast and the, the the grand plans that were and it's like um it's just reminding yourself to kind of re-engage with some of those relationships and those um conversations on a one-to-one basis like i guess because that's where it feels like oh yeah like i've talked to you um, loads of times since then, but haven't really had a conversation. I guess is is what I would say. Um, and I know that you're you're obviously part of a, a community, kind of leading a community um, that we've spoken about a couple of times before. With everything you're doing with with WrestlePlug, with the podcast, and lots of conversations. But you also do have that side of. Uh, I think I'm right in saying this: that you meet people in person as part of WrestlePlug as well. So there must be kind of a, a A period you've gone through where you've interacted with people very differently over the last two years and now having that opportunity to return to seeing people like what's that been like
0: well I mean WrestlePlug provided a platform for me to essentially catapult into the wrestling business which was great but at the same time it was um I mean, I like to kind of keep them separate in the sense of, like, I use at WrestlePlug as like a, a format for recording because I prefer to use that than Aaron Nix, which is obviously my mm-hmm. name. Um, but uh, at the same time, I'm like, oh, um, it, it was very strange because obviously at the start of the pandemic, I had, you know, obviously that takes away my ability to train, that takes away my ability for physical interaction, obviously nothing is more physical and nothing is more close contact than wrestling. So, you know, like sweat on me. That'll be fine. I'm sure. Like, <laughs> no, I was like, I can just see Mike Douglas, uh, you know, get your collar and elbow tie up right now. Like, come on, baby.
1: I'm ready. It's
0: time to recreate WrestleMania three. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was obviously one thing. That was a challenge, obviously not being able to train, not being able to, uh, which, you know, kind of affected me long-term because, uh, wrestling is one of those things I feel like it's muscle memory so uh, although you can still do it after a big break it's very important to have that continuity and I believe in training anyway as a concept I know there's a lot of wrestlers out there like I don't need to train and um, they're the ones who normally end up going through tables in someone's backyard so um, yeah no that obviously the physical thing was you know it's very strange because I thought that where we have such a strong online community that would give me enough of a mental sustenance to work my way through it but after a while I started becoming incredibly depressed and also very stir crazy mentally because it's not with me and I'm sure a lot of people might be able to empathize I found that it wasn't a case of being indoors frequently that it was an issue to me because I can do that anyway. But it was the idea of knowing that the freedom wasn't there. As long as you know that you have your freedom there, you don't particularly mind whether you exercise in or not. But as soon as it's actually taken away from you, then there is that kind of mental block of, oh, okay, well, if I go outside, apparently Boris Johnson's going to be waiting. He's going to slap me around the head with a fine. So, and but it's that general kind of, consensus of i mean you could still go outside for instance you could still go to the shops but it was eerie it was like being in some sort of novel some sort of story some sort of movie a post-apocalyptic scenario and it it became very uneasy and unnerving you couldn't go and see your friends you couldn't really travel Like you know my my mum for instance she lives uh, a two-hour drive from me now um you know there was a long period of time where for better or for worse i didn't get to see her uh you know, and not being able to have social interactions that you take for granted anyway, when you don't have a pandemic in can actually start to affect you a little bit more long term. But there's also the flip side, isn't there? That We saw a lot of people who suffer with severe social anxieties and things actually very much thrive in this environment. I'm not saying that's necessarily a good or bad thing. That's up for interpretation. But there are still a lot of people who almost in a way got used to being in a lockdown and enjoyed the concept of a lockdown so much that they weren't actually that perturbed by the concept of it when it came back to the possibility of going back in again for a third time
1: yeah definitely there were some really interesting things that came out I think I guess being uh being more aware or more engaged with kind of the mental health and well-being conversations I was kind of where we were going to see that impact in terms of kind of social anxiety and some of those people thriving more because we were pushed into that situation that actually is more safe more comfortable for them but one of the things i hadn't expected was there were so many articles and reports of Um, people with different types of abilities and disabilities um, finding greater success with employment because suddenly the things that a workplace might have had to change within a physical setting they didn't have to do because this person's working from home working remotely and can kind of set up their own their own stall so to speak and um, it's just it was one of those it was one of a few things that I found quite striking where it's not like this new bit of technology has come along like um zoom and skype and and stuff were were around before um we've had mobile phones we've had emails for a long time like there's plenty of ways for people to work remotely and it does just seem that people weren't i guess a combination of people weren't trusted um and there is such a fixation on still a fixation on this is how we've done it and so this is how we're going to continue to do it Um, and we think we're being super flexible by giving you an ergonomic keyboard or a desk that goes up a little bit that that was the revolution (laughs) it's just um, it seems so strange that it's taken that kind of um, the situation of a pandemic for people to really adjust the way that they think about kind of workplaces and projects and how you can engage and and work with people it just like it did blow my mind a little bit like as if something major has happened in terms of technology or or like I don't know design and it's like no it hasn't just you you now um are prepared to work with these people because they're basically making their own adjustments rather than you having to make them just yeah that did blow my mind for a little while
0: yeah, I think it, it like like I said at the top, like how do you unpack two years, uh, especially when there was like, you know, I, as you know, I'm a very humorous individual, or at least I like to think I am. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of very serious issues that went on in that two years and a lot of incredibly explosive and vitriolic arguments, debates, you know, concerns about how to um, maintain safety, there's still a good portion of people who believe, you know, in masks and things of that nature. And um, there's still countries that are taking this super, super seriously, to the point of like, yeah, no, no, we're still in lockdown, we're still enforcing different things, vaccine passports, things of that nature. Um, it's very scary to have the general freedoms that we take for granted scrutinized to such a degree like they were over these last two years. And they still are now, but just in the background more. I think I think world events have essentially thrown a shroud over what we've been going through. And it's mm. made it in some ways, very weirdly, obviously with great tragedy as well, it's made it easier for us to kind of move on. Mm. Like we've bounced from one tragedy to another now. And that's kind of how we live our... Uh, our consumption of media, particularly with news. It's it's a yeah. case of Yeah, yeah, we're in a pandemic. Oh, there's, there's all out war breaking out in Eastern Europe. So we're gonna we're gonna bounce to that now. And mm. you know, nobody's gonna even talk about COVID again. And it's, it's amazing how difficult the two years was for the pandemic. But it's also even more astonishing just how quickly we're able to flippantly remove that, at least in the consumption of, you know, mainstream media. Um,
1: well, you think and- of like the pandemic itself was uh, almost a rebound from Brexit for us. Like there was there was so much talk and conversation around. Yeah, that's
0: working out well.
1: <sighs> yeah, the impact that was going to have, and we kind of moved on to, um, moved on to the pandemic, and oh, isn't it great? We're we're we've gone through brexit so we can produce and keep hold of all our own vaccines um like yeah it does feel like you kind of bump from one thing to another um and i'm uh, i'm wary we we have also just done that through our our conversations and there were a couple of things i really wanted to ask you about especially given it's been apparently such a long time since we We've spoken yeah, where them. the hell
0: have you been? What have I don't. Up to mate, like, where's our Weatherspoon's breakfast? Like, oh, so- I know. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, so kind of tied into to the stuff you've been doing with WrestlePlug, and I would say, uh, from my side, there's there's a few different things that looked like they started off as hobbies. So the stuff you were doing with WrestlePlug, with the with the podcast and the groups, but also some of the stuff you were doing with um like design uh graphics productions and things like that seem very much like they've grown into uh like professional things that you're putting together you're hosting or providing or producing like there must have been quite a fulfilling journey there i guess that's happened over like we say over this sort of period as well but um it seems really nice to have seen some of those things grow and for the recognition for some of the stuff you're doing to have grown as well what has what's that journey like been for you because obviously there must be quite a lot of work you're putting into those things as well
0: yeah the process isn't as easy as people think particularly when you're speaking to people like you realize that providing a service whether you're donating it or whether you're being paid for it um like for me I pretty much fine-tuned all of my skills in that Over the pandemic, but it wasn't one of those things where I just, I haven't come out of it and felt like mentally, it was a great thing for me. I didn't think, oh, I made great use of the pandemic and, Mm -hmm. you know, really kind of sharpened my tools, uh, so to speak. If anything... I didn't get any kind of boom or feedback or real growth in what I was doing and the passions, of course, that I wanted to pursue in our business until after the pandemic. Because of course, you know, no shows means that Mm. there is no need for graphics. There is no need for video. There is no need for wrestlers. There is no need for, you know, the Egyptian death machine to come in and smash people up. Like there's, there's a real kind of, disconnect there so you don't feel like you've done anything in this and a sense of achievement I think that's obviously a mental issue for me as well a lot of my closest friends of course will probably tell you like yeah Aaron spends way too much time um just not really giving himself enough credit or not stopping to enjoy what he does because I'm always striving for something better so even if I do achieve something or make something that's you know, considered fantastic by a client, my brain is always wondering what the next level to that is, how can I improve that? And sometimes that can manifest itself very negatively, because I'm obviously never satisfied with what I'm doing. But on the flip side, it can work as a positive, because I feel that without it, um, I wouldn't strive to be better. Um, So I need that kind of negative outlet of I can do better to be able to make it into a positive and make even better work, which obviously, hopefully will excel and make me more of a recognized name in what I do. But I the process of it is I've always kind of, you know, had an interest in it, because out of necessity for the podcast, the podcast, when it started, you know, if you go and watch like the first few episodes, now the graphics are not exactly um, high end. And I'm now lucky to be in a position where I can kind of look from the other end of the spectrum. But it's taken five years. I We had our five year anniversary last month. You know, it's five years of um, growth and learning and difficulty and strife and everything else that you can imagine. Um, to get to that sort of point. So the journey actually has taken probably five years to get to this point, And it's come with a lot of learning hurdles and a lot of difficulties and a lot of arguments and conflicts and things that I don't really have that much of a problem with. Um, so for me, I think the process, the journey of getting to be a somewhat professional, depending on how you look at it, because there's always going to be people who strive and excel yeah. more than you do. I think I think the process of it wasn't nearly as fun as probably people think it was I think it took an incredible amount of graft and an incredible amount of effort. Um, but she's good in a sense, because obviously I don't take it for granted every show that I do every show that I perform, regardless of what it is, I never take any of that for granted, I always find so much joy, so much passion and so much graft in what I do. So every show I turn up to, even last Saturday I've got a show, this Saturday, you know, I'm working pretty much every weekend. It is that thing of like every single one of these shows, every single one of these opportunities is a chance for me to excel and get better, so I really work incredibly hard. People see that whenever they work alongside me and I guess I haven't really stopped to really appreciate the journey to get here too much because this is a very evolving entity. It always changes. They're always looking for something new. This isn't a standard job. This isn't a retail job, for instance, where you go and sit behind a counter all day and you repeat um, the same mundane task. This is something very different. And I think that's the other thing that is mentally very fulfilling for me is that I work in an industry where at any point, there is a million different um things in play that could change and that has made it much easier for me long term to enjoy what i do because frankly i couldn't go back to being a postman i'd probably want to murder somebody
1: i think excuse me i think that's a bit seeing now when you're um kind of in different settings so like you're producing so much i can't keep up with it the way i used to now um but seeing or i guess hearing some of the interviews or seeing some of the pictures and some of the videos and that that side of you being in different settings like physical locations um interacting with different people from different backgrounds different aims or aspirations that they're getting from um from a particular community or from from wrestling um it's really it's really interesting to see and i can i can i can only imagine kind of that impact of like you say you're 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 getting involved your community's growing at the beginning and having the basically that taken away for two years would have been extremely difficult and i think there is also a side of um i don't know about your experience but i have seen and heard and read quite a lot of like oh over the last 2 years i've learned this or i've done this training course and i've qualified in this and oh, I, oh i've done some sort of um massive volunteering thing and i've achieved so much during this time and for people that have struggled through that process or just continually worked and just kind of had to keep on going um i think sometimes that message is a bit difficult to hear it's like oh well i haven't thrived over the last two years or it doesn't feel like i've thrived um and there are these amazing stories like what did i do with my time and it's sometimes there's we don't always have that luxury of oh there's not been this one big thing that's happened actually we've just continually worked and progressed and um we've made that steady progress it doesn't always kind of i guess get recognition from um from places but particularly I think from ourselves because we don't always see that that growth day to day and I think that's the bit maybe hearing you kind of speak through there and I think oh wow like I feel like the stuff I've seen from you has jumped massively I feel like it it looks uh, really impressive like I can see the growth in the stuff that you've done but that maybe part of that is also because I'm not seeing everything I'm not seeing the day-to-day Um, like stresses that you're putting into that I'm seeing like a select thing here and there and um, you sort of notice the difference more over time Uh, but I think you kind of touched on that can be the difficult uh, mindset or outlook when we're reflecting back on what has my journey been like or how do I feel about that sometimes that's a really hard place to be and that's where you've been left for the last two years—is pretty much self-reflection is all many of us have had. Um, does it feel like that is starting to change? Does it feel like now you—we've talked about this kind of more, more in person, more conversations happening—that um, that's starting to change, um, or do you still feel like kind of there's there's a lot of kind of insular voices happening?
0: I think that depends, obviously, on an individual perspective. Um, for me personally there's always going to be a lot of strife and a lot of difficulty, particularly with my mental health, uh, when it comes to the business I work in, some days are more stressful than others. Obviously, you know, the, what we've realized with social media and I'm no different in that respect is that people only see the end product of what I'm doing. So they see the videos, they see the graphics, they see, you know, the body slams, whatever it is that I've, mm. you know, contribute to the wrestling world of the weekend or whatever it might be. And, um, they think oh that looks fantastic that looks shiny he's obviously living his best life but what as with any concept of social media people don't see what goes into the background for instance you know you can follow all these beautiful colombian women on instagram but you don't see the process of how many times they have to take a photo or the preparation that they might go through to just to kind of give you that one moment that that almost that like facade it's all a, a shine on an intricate design that is behind of that. And I think the amount of work that goes into what I do, particularly from a clientele standpoint, you know, interacting with people and trying to get the right product for them. I'm very blessed that um, I normally tend to be pretty accurate in what people want and their estimations of me. I always say to people, the devil is in the details. So the more details you give me, the easier it is for me to provide a product mm. that is relevant to what you need but there is that thing of sometimes where you sit there mentally and think oh wow like you know people are just like hey you got my matches ready yet and it's like <laughs> sometimes it can take 20 30 hours of editing to get things right um and there's also the post edit and things like that this is the thing if you don't understand the prerequisite abilities or the tools needed to provide the product you're asking for it can be quite a flippant process, uh, especially if you're one of the clients. And I understand that to a certain degree. So you have to find the right balance because, you know, the customer is always right, as they say, but at mm. the same time, the customer isn't always right. The customer isn't always aware of the process that is needed to get to the end product that they want. Um, so for me, like it's it's like I'd rather just unpack it simply in, in the two years of the pandemic, I struggled astonishingly with my mental health and also just the general concept of being a caged animal, which is never a great thing for me. As you know from previous podcasts as well, I'm a very anti-conformist kind of mentality. I don't really believe in a lot of the um, authority principles that are bestowed upon us in society. Like I don't, obviously, I don't, you know, go out of my way to break the law or anything like that. I just feel like we should always test and you know see how far things can bend I'm one of these people who believes in pushing boundaries to see what we can do um and I just felt like those two years I was not able to do anything truly that fulfilling And, you know, yeah, like you say, it's lovely to hear all these amazing stories of people like, oh, during the pandemic, I took this course and now I'm certified in this and I, I really use this time to grow myself. And, you know, I went to the gym a lot and tried to sort of get a control on my diet and tried to do different things. And I went for country walks and obviously I was very blessed that where my, you know, my full time job is working, you know, on a farm. Um, it was very easy for me to kind of spend time with the horses and things like that. And that was obviously very fulfilling mentally. But after a while, with anything, you hit a wall. I, I never I, at least from my perspective, whatever I'm doing, even if it brings mental sustenance, after a while, I hit a wall where all of a sudden it's like, okay, they like, I've seen the horses every day for the past six months this isn't fulfilling me mentally anymore. I need to switch gears or do something else. And that was one of the biggest challenges of the pandemic because, yeah, sure, I was able to kind of rest on the ability to be outside a lot more than, say, the average person. Mm. Um, But I still felt like I was locked in. When I got to the farm, it was almost like this hypothetical wall was built around me. And it was like, okay, that's cool. You've got freedom, but you haven't. Have you really got that much freedom? Like, I could go and walk wherever I wanted in the countryside. We're very blessed where we live. It's just endless, endless miles of forest and things of that nature. But it's also that element of always knowing in the back of your mind. that you know, it's kind of a controlled environment. It, it almost felt like Truman Show where you just expected somebody to just, I don't know, you always felt like you were going to hit the limit. You were going to find the edge of the glass dome or whatever it might be. And that was probably the biggest thing that I suffered with pandemic-wise.
1: Yeah, it is is interesting because I think, like you say, you make that assumption that, oh, you've got the outside space and... um... The only time that's a difference is when you move, isn't it? Like that first bit would have been like, oh, yeah, like you say, amazing. I've got all this space. I've got a place for walks. I've got all these. um, I'm making assumptions now. There's all these animals around. Um,
0: That's a good assumption to make. (laughs) There are are many animals where there is foliage. You are correct.
1: You You always know someone's going to go, nope, Uh, it's just a lot uh, of grass.
0: I see you're an expert in foliage. Well (laughs)
1: Um but the only time that's a difference is when you move like once you're there and you're settled and those things aren't new you've still got a restriction on like you say what you can do where you can go and things like that um and i think that's the that's the reminder of it's, oh, i guess it's almost touching on the things you mentioned like it's pushing some of those boundaries testing and seeing mm-hmm. what what is possible what works um those are the things i think we talk very much about when we're uh, looking at kind of mental health and well-being it's like testing your boundaries and working out what's comfortable and what's not and some of the things that we don't find comfortable we go okay yeah i just don't want to do that that's cool but maybe some of those things i do want to do and i need to work on that but your ability to kind of work on things is is obviously greatly diminished over that time as well um one of the things i was going to ask you was about kind of that outside space and I think last time you mentioned like it had been a positive impact I can't remember I think you had recently moved so I think it was still a positive thing at the time um but like having that outside space in a very different kind of living environment to um I think what you had previously kind of being in more of a like an urban built up area um is that still like a positive thing for you? Obviously, it's slightly different now. You're you're more settled. You've been there a while. Um, and we've had the last two years. But does that outside space still kind of bring you um, a lot of well-being, niceness, um, or or have those things changed?
0: Um, this, ironically enough, this is probably the question that, I mean, obviously, I don't get it posed to me so eloquently so well done but I also don't have um I I have to talk about this a lot because obviously I work in a business which is all about being built up as you can imagine at a wrestling show you know Mm. there's so many people that go into a process and you're surrounded by people I I, you know I did a show for charity wrestling promotion last year and I think there was like 50 or 60 people on site at any given point, not to mention, of course, you know, the amount of fans there in the building. Mm. Um, like that's an incredibly intense process. But one thing I found was, uh, yeah, absolutely. Initially, I was like, oh, like, you know, this is very different from living in the environment of Portsmouth, where, like you say, urban and built up is a very nice way of putting it when we refer to. <laughs> like i would say i mean well i won't say it, but because I've, <laughs> I've done very well at this point not to uh curse too much but so i'll just, <laughs> we'll just move on but Portsmouth is very built up and there's a lot of very interesting people that live there and some of them enjoy conflict <laughs> um so you know there's that thing of like it's a real trade-off i've gone from living in a massive city or at least on the outskirts of it and -hmm. having access to all these, these incredible um, privileges, you know, these different shops, these different viewpoints. Uh, A good example is where I live now, it's a 20 minute drive. If you want a McDonald's, it's a half an hour drive. If you want a KFC, if I want to go into a a major town, like the closest one is like half an hour away. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, it's such a trade off, you know, it's, it's very much the classic pros and cons list. So when you move initially, you have to you have to have some sort of level of understanding, you have to have compromise. So all of a sudden, you know, you're not going to have super fast fiber optic broadband because turns out that hasn't made its way out here. You're not going to have the general luxuries of hey, you want to meet for a coffee? Hey, you want to go down to pub? You know, unless you've made new friends or in a social circle, which is something I just haven't really done around here, because with all due respect, the majority of people who live here are very old, very white, and very racist. So, you know, I'm I'm not really going to find too much of a social aspect from, um, you know, going out and socializing here. Whereas, obviously, working with the wrestling promotions and that, there is a great social aspect. So that's helped kind of create a bit of sustenance, but. Yeah, no. Initially, it was fantastic, but now it has got to that point of like, hmm, this has almost become a little bit stagnant. This has become a little bit stale. People, people come up to me like, oh my god, it sounds wonderful. You, you know, you're surrounded by forest, and you know, you've got all these different elements to you. But I think one of the biggest problems is I enjoy the peaceful, serene nature of living in that environment. However nothing that I do in my actual life is conducive or beneficial uh, in that surrounding. So, you know, in in one aspect, it's like, cool, at any given day, I can get up and I can go and walk through one of the country parks or the nature reserves or whatever it might be. Um, But the bottom line is, I work in the wrestling business. Um, And obviously working on the farm as well means that I'm kind of already on that anyway. So yeah, no, it it's not as good as you think it is. It's not as amazing as you think it is. There is a finite amount of times that you can look at a tree and think, oh, that's very pretty. They, you know, you, you tune these things out after all, like you do anything else. I think that's partly human nature that we just mm. do that anyway. Don't we, 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 once we get used to a good, for instance, you know, I always remember Jim Jeffries, um, somebody said, would you cheat on Cheryl Cole? He was like, yeah, sure. If I'd slept with her a thousand times. And it's that thing of like, you know, obviously the, you know, it's not good what he said in a way, but it's that thing of, ah, okay. So it doesn't matter how good something is if you are subjected to it too much, you will eventually human nature will dictate that you will tune it out, that you will get bored of it, that you will look for something else or that you will look for a different um, horizon or even just a palate cleanser to give you that opportunity to appreciate it again. And um, I, I don't know, you probably don't know, but like I wrote my car off last year. So that of course made it more difficult for me to, have access to areas outside of where i live going back home for instance going to you know training seminars or whatever it might be going to shows is a little bit more of a difficult process at times Uh, and that is another thing you realize when you live in an area like this that if you don't have like um a certain level of not wealth but you know a good economy you need money you need money to live in an area like this actually because you've got to pay for more petrol than the average person you've got to have a car to get around really you public transport is pretty much non-existent all the trade-offs have to be weighed up so every time I think, oh, you know, it's lovely that nobody's going to come and pester me and I live in the middle of nowhere and it's very peaceful. But there's always the flip side of that. If you're feeling rough, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling depressed, it's going to take me a good two or three hours, maybe at times to see somebody who I cherish um or see somebody that I like or somebody that is close to me already that I've already built up a wonderful friendship with a good example is my friend Dexter who uh, lives in Portsmouth like he's one of my best friends he's one of the most important people in my life if I want to spend time with Dexter other than chatting on the phone which we're very lucky of, because for me I'm still not one of these people who finds enough emotional and comforting sustenance in that ability to just ring somebody up like that's great that i can ring you up i still am one of those people who thrives on the ability to actually spend physical time with people a lot Mm. of people have kind of evolved from that and i haven't like i need to go and see my friend joe who lives in waterlooville and go and have coffee with her and listen to you know how her boyfriend pisses her off i i need to go and see dexter and talk about wrestling and Play Warzone together yeah we can play Call of Duty on the Xbox online or whatever but that's not the same as being in a room with somebody it's not the same as that I get true fulfillment and true happiness from seeing people you know there are are three or four people that live on the Isle of Wight who I love and cherish like no other who are absolutely incredible to me that's where I um, tend to train in terms of wrestling now and not being able to actually see them physically, you know, yeah, sure, we can do zoom chats and stuff like that. And that's okay. But not being able to see them physically has been an extremely difficult process, because I love being around them. They are truly some of the most special people I've ever met in my life. And they've really impacted and changed the way that I look at life. Um, I don't know if they'll listen to this, they probably won't. But if they do, (laughs) they, they know how thankful I am for that. And they know how much I love them. But it's that thing of like, oh, do you know what it, it it does feel like I've kind of come to the end of my country uh you know experiment it does feel that way and I feel like I almost need to kind of revert back to the old change to um make myself feel better or maybe it's finding that balance like it is with everything maybe mm-hmm. it would be nice to live in this kind of country environment but have much better access to the people that I cherish because yeah, okay, I can get to London within, say, an hour and a half, but if nobody's there to meet me, what's the point? Mm. Um, So, like anything, it's not about your surroundings. It's not about what you have, or at least not in my case. It's always been about the people in my life, and that's been the biggest struggle for me, is knowing that I don't have regular access to the people in my life that have been crucial to the process of me becoming a better person as I get older.
1: I definitely... I definitely think there is that um, yeah and thank you for sharing that I think there is that process isn't there of you can make and you can or I feel like you can make and sustain relationships online or over the phone but I think it takes a lot longer to build a relationship than you could build it if you're in person and I think that's where in my mind, if you've been a friend in person, and you've had to, particularly over the last couple of years, almost like transfer that relationship from in person to online or over the phone, you can kind of sustain it, knowing that at some stage, you'll be able to go back to meeting in person. Um, But yeah, I totally understand that that, that side of that, that, I don't know if it's some sort of science thing about our bodies. But I think there is you do build up that relationship or that rapport and and build a stronger connection with people when you're when you're in person. And that can work the other way as well. It can also mean there are people that annoy you and frustrate you much more when you're in person as well. Um, But I, I, I think that's the bit where it sort of feels like the we have those benefits of of say phones, emails, texts, whatever, to um better support relationships um but not necessarily create them I think that that's the the bit in between when I think when you're talking about your access physically to to buses trains cars whatever makes a real difference as to how you can connect with those people and like you say it's um maybe it doesn't sound a lot to someone to say oh it would take me an hour and a half or two hours to get there. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're thinking of that as maybe like a one off once every six months or whatever. But if that's someone that's like you say, like one of your closest friends, you probably want to see them more than like once every six or nine months or 12 months or however long. Like it's someone that maybe in the past you would have seen every week or every other week. Um and that impact is not just the time it's like you say the financial cost cost of of petrol uh, is is drastically increasing in the UK i think i feel like uh, just all the time train prices go up um so the cost of travel is increasing um at a time when potentially we're trying to manage a lot of other costs as well so it becomes uh, almost a luxury to have a friend or to be able to to meet a friend that is anywhere other than where you are um and I think that's going to be something that I don't know like now is going to be more noticeable because I think where it feels like in the past that wasn't quite such a big thing we weren't choosing between oh you know do I want to go to like you say go to London or Oxford or wherever and go and meet somebody and and have a a day out with a friend Whereas now it's like, well, actually, I've got bills or shopping or whatever else to pay for. And I don't know if I can afford to go and see that person because now they don't live around the corner or I don't live around the corner. It's not going to cost me five pounds to see them. It's going to cost me 50 or 70 or however much. And that's a, a big cost for a lot of people to be able to, to maintain those relationships at a time when, you know, I mean, we spent the first half an hour saying like, oh, the the Things are a lot more possible now. We're doing more in person. We're kind of connecting. We're going to events and things like that. But that's not what everyone's doing. Not everyone has the financial ability to to do that. And maybe they're 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 not as um, financially or location wise as close to the people that they want to be. It can be a difficult process. I think we do kind of make those assumptions. Oh no, things are now possible. Well, actually, you know, most people are a lot worse off financially now than they were before um it's it's not the same environment and it can be it can be a struggle but i think hopefully trying to be positive about it is it has also been a period where people have thought a lot more about um how they want to spend their time what they want to spend their time doing whether that's um paid work um doing stuff as hobbies or just personal social leisure time um there's a lot more or it feels like there's a lot more reflection and evaluation of what do i actually want to be doing what do i want to be spending my time doing what do i want to give my expertise or my attention to um and i guess i'm hoping that people feel a bit more engaged even if we have to work towards uh, that being financially possible um they're really thinking and reflecting on on what they want to do so it's interesting hearing you talk about um maybe there are different changes that I could make to be happier where I am and and thinking about that and I think that's a really I feel like that's a positive place to be because you're reflecting on actually there's there are some real strong points there are some really positive things I take from uh my life and from being where where I am but there are also things I would like to adjust or or maybe make potential changes as well
0: yeah I think where I'm getting old as well. I'm just I I I feel old, man. Like wrestling is beating that out of me. Um, you know what little youth I had left is kind of dissipated. (laughs) I just I feel like um, it's a living, breathing entity, life, and you have to constantly evolve and change and we as humans have been asked to change in the last two or three years, like never before that you think like societies that came before us would probably have one serious flashpoint potentially in their entire lives, whether that be a world war or whatever it might be. And now we're sort of being asked to kind of bounce from one, horrific tragedy or maybe it was exactly the same as it was and maybe the only reason that we feel that way is because we have all this mainstream media coverage you know mm. the world is opened up to us now whereas it never was before it's you know i i have people always approach me and say oh can you believe this horror and this tragedy like this never happened in my day it's like it probably did it's just the fact that you know you didn't have you so didn't many know. ridiculous news stations covering it at all times from all different perspectives and viewpoints um it's 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 uh, you know i mean how do you answer certain things like that you mm. you don't you have to learn to kind of bounce through it you have to learn to evolve otherwise it will swallow you up i i mean you know you know me i have a million and one different stories and anecdotes i could tell you but i guess it's relevant to mm. how depressing or how happy you want to be on a podcast of this nature <laughs> so
1: i think it is it is interesting you kind of reflect on on history and again uh, not prepped enough to remember exactly what article it was but i do remember reading something recently that was like anyone that's i think it was like 35 and under has just grown up through um like one crisis to another of varying different levels whether that's been like financial recessions um like job losses um wars terrorist terrorist attacks but now pandemics um and like you said I, th- I think there is also that aspect of probably over the last 35 years there's there's been that boom in communication as well in terms of how accessible uh information and different voices are to us now it's not just you know here's the news twice a day with the same people reading it it's you've got um different people voicing opinions which i think is while it can be dangerous actually super important that you're not just hearing all of your information from one person in one point of view all the time um it's like one of the in my mind it's one of the first things you're taught like when you're maybe at school definitely at college is like question the sources like who's telling you this? Why are they telling you this? Like what's to the, what's their benefit? Doesn't mean it's true or it's not true, but just think about why they're telling you this information. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think there's, there's been a lot that has happened over the last few years. And um, as you say, I'm sure there's lots of lots and lots of different stories we could have here, Um, but I am cautious. I've somehow already taken up an hour of your time. Um,
0: Come on, more than that. Like, Hey, I did like five hours of watch-alongs last night, you pussy. Come on, let's get on with it. Five hours of open journal, are you ready?
1: (laughs) I I do, I remember early days having uh, an amazing conversation with uh, a guest. And I think we spoke for like three and a half hours. I've not checked. I feel like it's probably one of the least listened to episodes because it's just, I think in the end I split it into two actually. And I was just like, oh, I can't do that because it's, it's like, it, I don't know how you find particularly, yeah, five hours, that's a long time. Like it's tiring as well. Like at the end of it, you want to have a bit of a, like a reflection and a chance to process some of the stuff people share because some of like, it is really interesting to think on. It's different perspective, different lived experience, different struggles. Um, So yeah, that is interesting. What is it like when you do those longer street when it's like, oh yeah three four five hours what is that process like mentally
0: hilarious um (laughs) honestly it depends on it depends on obviously who it is for instance um you know i did we did a series of watch alongs last night i don't know if you've watched any of the watch alongs that have really become their own beast their own animal their own entity um So the concept is that I sit down with a friend or somebody from the wrestling business and we watch the most horrific car crash potential matches that you can find on the internet. Um, uh, I will say this for anyone who's like, oh, that sounds like fun. Be warned, it is extremely graphic, not just what we're watching, but also our coverage of is extremely offensive if you are of a sensitive nature. So um, bear that in mind. Because the content is extra. I mean, case in point, we watched a barefoot death match from Russia last night. Um, this was, yeah, like, un- already
1: uh, I'm tapping out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like with all due respect, you're a very nice man. But I feel like you might not have the stomach for something <laughs> of that nature. And um, th- there is an extremely amount of inflammatory and offensive language in my podcast. And something that I've really taken pride in. Is that mental, do you know what? It can be mentally taxing. It can be very unnerving because obviously you've got that process of five hours and things like that. That's absolutely fine. I find that easy because I'm conditioned to it now. I've done that mm. so many times. Okay. But I tell you what is mentally taxing. Is that fear that you are going to like, cause you know me, I push the boundary and I cross the line <laughs> frequently and that can really unsettle people. And you have to make peace with the fact that you are going, like I get death threats and hate mail all the time all the time. Um, And that's one of those things where I've learned to kind of deal with that. Initially, that was a real harsh mental process. There were days where I was sat there like, but this person wants to kill me? What? How could somebody say something so horrible at me? And the trade off was, okay, well, you have a platform where you can say whatever you damn well, please. Um, And if people choose to cancel me or censor me and things like that, that's something that I have to kind of accept. So there is always that fear that you know, a potential promoter or something might watch what we're doing and think, yeah, no, you know, I'm going to sort of make life difficult. You have to trust that people will know that you're a good person inherently. If somebody listens to this, for instance, they'd be like, oh, wow, like Aaron Nix is a very well-spoken guy and he's he's got a lot of good points and things like that. Like what you see on a screen isn't necessarily representative of that person i think it's mm. very difficult to try and explain that to the general populace that hey just because i'm you know in full shock jock mode on wrestle plug sometimes and basically trashing AEW and you know doing Vince McMahon impressions about him trying to assault people like that's not necessarily my personal brand of behavior as such as it is a level of entertainment and I think people have a hard time discerning between the two so mentally it is quite unnerving sometimes to think oh wow I don't want people to genuinely think I'm a horrific human being But then at the same time, I'm also in a business where, you know, shock horror, I play a bad guy. And in Mm. many ways, um, I just manifest all of the darkest elements of myself into that character. Mm. So to me, it is basically an extension of who I am. It's the darker, more miserable side of me. Let's be frank. A lot of people want to pretend they don't have, but they do. And for me i i find it's very difficult to find the balance sometimes that's the mental strife that i go through is finding the balance oh can i can i do this can i say this can i behave this way but still feel from a a moral perspective that i'm a good person and i think you know that's always going to be a perception of how people see you um I can't say like, for instance, I'm sure Mike Douglas thinks I'm a nice person. Well, I hope so, because he's had me on here for over an hour. But it's that thing of like, OK, so, I have to hope that other people will find, you know, they'll look for the true perception. They'll actually give me an opportunity and say, okay, you're not actually that guy from WrestlePlug all the time. You're not continuously being an asshole in that regard. You are actually a good person who cares about people who is, because I am, I'm very caring and I'm very kind and I'm very generous and I'm very giving of my time. But when I use WrestlePlug or when I do anything on WrestlePlug, there is very much a sense of, this is my platform, and I am going to present a certain form of entertainment. This is not necessarily a reflection of my personality as such, or if it is, it is not the be all and end all of how my um, my personality or my kind of character should be perceived. And I think that is, you know, just from listening to it back and what I've just said over the last sort of five minutes gives Mm. you an idea of the the real difficulty mentally um, when you are essentially providing a level of entertainment that is very kind of shocking and very, very different to anything else. There is no medium like professional wrestling. There is no handbook. There are no rules to what you do. And you can take it as far as you want to take it, or you can stay in that comfort zone. And I would rather present something that is truly outrageous, but also much more true to my identity and how I might perceive things, even if it is the darkest side of my brain, than just be a bit of a cookie cutter bitch, like a lot of people are in their content. I don't believe in that. And frankly, a lot of the content that I either consume or see, I can't tolerate because it just feels very disingenuous. So although mentally it is a bit of a struggle and there is a fear of how I'll be perceived, I would rather go through that and know that at least what I'm creating is 100% organic and authentic to my thought process, if not necessarily my personality. I
1: think, again, yeah, thank you for sharing. It's really interesting to hear that insight because I think... I guess it's different fields because in my head, I think there's there's two big things with with some of the stuff you do. And it's that you are presenting, which means you have to turn stuff up a notch anyway to engage. And um, I would say usually you see that in someone being overtly positive, but it can be anything like they uh, they have to turn up um, whatever they're doing to engage people to grab their attention.
0: Talking about raw is not a positive experience.
1: <laughs> and then you, and then you have the wrestling side as well, which is that that added thing of um, essentially playing characters. Which I think it'd be interesting. I guess the difference between the the responses that you get from within the wrestling field, and maybe that's something that's for another day, but um because i think people that are outside of that i don't they're the people i think would maybe struggle or not necessarily know that side of you playing a character or you like turning yourself up to 12 or or that idea of like you say kind of i've i've picked these particular characteristics or parts of my traits these are now going to be rather than part of me these are going to be like the core things that make up kind of who i am when i'm when i'm doing this um and i i can imagine how if you're outside of that circle that might be a bit strange but i yeah you would think that people that are aware of that engage or uh in any way kind of part of, of wrestling would understand that idea of of character playing from like you see that of of hosts of commentators um of, of officials like if you're watching or participating in wrestling you'll know that like these these people that are deemed as almost like outside of the sport are actually a key part of it and are playing their own character um and i think it's it's that side is very interesting as to how how you're then perceived as uh like you say a professional uh a person like particularly when we're talking about some of the the content creation stuff that you were doing before with like the graphics and. Um, some of the video production and things like that where you i don't know how how you work but in my head that's a bit where you would revert to i am now like a, a digital creative professional i'm I'm now not my like wrestling or podcast persona i'm doing this and you're interacting with a i don't know a different version of me um it's yeah i, I can understand how that or i can imagine how that would be quite taxing as well because they're there are different sides to you in different ways that people are going to interact with you and maybe have different perceptions of who you are, because probably, probably it's maybe unfair. Possibly the thing that they're going to see you for is the thing when you're, you're in character and you're playing that role that is drawing attention. And that's not necessarily the version of you that they're going to interact with depending on how and why they're interacting with
0: you. Yeah. The fear it, there is, there is always going to be a slight level of fear in some ways that people might perceive me as like, that fear is not nearly as strong as it used to be. Um, and I'm grateful that I've felt this confidence over time. And wrestling is one of those things It kind of either beats it into you or it beats it out of you. And I've, I'm very lucky that I've in some ways kind of really thrived in this environment. You know, wrestling has dragged my new sort of, inner personalities out more but it is that thing of like it's always going to be a trade-off if you're happy to completely push the boundaries push the limits of how people perceive language or character then you are going to have to accept that certain people are going to find you highly inflammatory very quick example the latest training school that i've been at um, outcast pro wrestling an amazing facility on the of white truly one of the coolest places to be if you want to learn the craft of professional wrestling one of the most amazing head trainers i've ever known in uh jackson arrow that is an area where i can guarantee you and i've heard in through the Fruit of grapevine because everything gets back to me eventually that's the sad thing about having your you know your fingers in so many different pies is that um a lot of the guys there were like oh that's that guy from WrestlePlug. plug that guy's a dick <laughs> like you know there's a there's a lot of that and then the, the amount of them that have sort of said oh wow you're like actually a really nice human being and it's like yeah like yeah no sorry like sorry to disappoint like i'm not that guy who thinks like And I think a lot of it is to do with language. I think we really put way too much stock now, sometimes, not all the time, in the use of language. Now, obviously, there are words that are off limits and things of that nature. But if you ever watch any of our watch alongs, you'll recognize that there is some extremely inflammatory language, offensive language, things that, you know, terms that might be not necessarily acceptable in everyday society, words that I won't use on here, but you can pretty much, you know, your imagination can kind of, you know, put those pieces together. Now, I'm one of those people who believes that it is just words until it is used in a specific way, in a specific format. So I'm not somebody who believes, for instance, that we should censor jokes. I don't find anything that Pete, like, you know, people are saying like, oh, Will Smith's wife, you know, he shouldn't he shouldn't have been joking about her alopecia. And I'm just like, I personally think everything is up for scrutinization. I do. I'm one of those people. People joke about terrorism around me all the time, despite the fact I'm half Egyptian, despite the fact I have a Islamic family. You know, it's it's that thing of and I don't take offense to that. Now, I'm not saying that people aren't entitled to take offense. They absolutely are. But that is exactly the point offense is always taken, it's never given. So it's one of those things of I absolutely sympathize. And I'm the first to say if if somebody contacted me and said what you said was so unbelievably disgusting and inflammatory, I would like to have a conversation with them and sort of try and explain the process of what we do. And then if needs be, I can absolutely apologize. But it's one of those things of we need to as a whole, understand when it's appropriate to be sensitive. And when it's appropriate to just understand that somebody's just kind of saying something to be fun and entertaining. And I think it's up to the people who watch the content to discern between the two. Um, So that makes it a little bit easier for me from a mental process to not kind of completely melt down because there has been an extraordinary amount of flashpoints, And it would be very easy, for instance, for one of my employers, and there are many to say, I've watched your content on WrestlePlug, and frankly, I find it so offensive. I do not wish to employ you furthermore. However, if they give me the opportunity, they realize that there is nobody more professional in our business and nobody who will strive harder to create a professional and safe environment. And that's why I have the flip side of me, where I have all the different qualifications, the safeguarding and all that, because it is very important to me that people are under the strongest level of safety and security when they are working at a wrestling event. Because as we know, there has been a lot of difficulties in that too. And Mm, I take mm. my job very seriously and I take my position in the business very seriously. But on the flip side, WrestlePlug is almost like my panic room of rage where I just go into a room and scream and just lose my absolute mind. And in many ways, that is my form of decompression and my ability to entertain while also giving myself some sort of therapeutic nonsense. Um, So yeah, my, for anyone listening, whatever, whenever you consume content, just be aware that if if you find it offensive, for some reason, there's normally a method behind that. And it's never just said, because somebody is looking to upset somebody.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a real, I don't know, like an aversion to some extent to just go like this isn't for me and that
0: yeah i have this argument all the time sorry no, to interrupt but no go. choice choice is so important and nobody goes into your house with a gun and says go and listen to wrestle Plug's latest watch along so when people say to me i watched your entire thing and i was highly offended okay I, with all due respect, I'm not going to apologize for that because you had a choice of whether you wanted to consume my content or not. If you're offended by it, don't watch it. And I would say to people who employ me as well, they, like, if you genuinely like don't like what I say, then don't watch it. Because I don't see why I should have to change and I don't also see why I should be held accountable Um, in that regard, like, in my opinion, unless I say something extremely like dangerous or, you know, something that is clearly offensive in to a demographic or an identity, I personally think that people need to grow up a little bit and take responsibility for their choices. This is this is something that frustrates me about our society is that we, we will choose to watch something that we find horrific, and then We have the audacity to complain after we made the choice of watching it that we, you know, that we were forced to almost sit there and watch it. It's like, no, you weren't. You made that choice. So therefore, any kind of perceptions, any kind of emotional reactions that you have to that content, they may be valid, but at the same time, they have been brought about by yourself. Nobody has, you know, for instance, with the Ukrainian conflict, that's not up for discussion because we haven't chosen whether we accept that as a fact or not. That is simply there. That is something that is out of our control. And we have to accept that, you know, this is something that is unfolding before our very eyes. It is a world conflict, it is news, it is a factual based conflict. However, you know, we choose whether to consume entertainment and we need to discern between facts news you know whatever that might come under in terms of umbrellas um Mm. you know we need to discern between our fiction and our non-fiction we need to discern between our entertainment and our consumerism we need to consider, you know we need to be able to separate things
1: it's consistency as well though isn't it like you say if you've got um a fairly consistent tone and uh a language or environment that's set um and people know what to expect when like you say if they're gonna uh listen or watch a whole episode or a number of episodes um it's uh, theoretically um it's unlikely that they they're then suddenly by you know episode five going to have something that's like oh my goodness like i can't believe they said or did that whereas if you were if you were set up in a different way and i think that i could be wrong about this sometimes that's where i think complaints and discussions come from because people will say this is uh like an, an open pleasant space where we we talk about things and you know we give everyone their opportunity and we're a nice engaging place and then at some stage they'll just attack a particular person or situation or be really degrading or dismissive about it and then it's like whoa 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 what what are you talking what are you doing that's not what you said you were and that's not what you've been for the last couple of episodes and all of a sudden you're doing and saying these things that are not um what I thought you were um and you think of yeah like I, I, yeah i don't want to necessarily give an example but there are particular people that i would say are, are not past cancelling but just no one would bother because we're like okay that person is very much like that i always think like pierce morgan's a good example like who really cares like we all know who he is the way he speaks the way he acts that's who he is mm. um but yet someone that's maybe on a like a, a panel tv show that's like oh we really engage and talk about mental health and well-being and it's a really important thing to us and then in the next you know episode they're like oh my god look at that person they've they've packed on the pounds and their their body looks really different and uh very aggressively kind of attacking that person's diet or physical shape or or what's going on in their personal life it's like well you just said you were like a a really like uh, a well-being positive place an open engaging place and I think it's for me it's the, it's the setting that you establish and it's the the abruptness that you interrupt that with. and I think that's something that you or well, I feel like you've articulated really well in previous conversations as well it's like this is what we have like the people that are here really enjoy it really engage in it it is not for everyone it's not meant to be for everyone if you like us listen engage if you don't there are other places to to talk about um wrestling or or, or other stuff so we're here for those people that want to be and equally those that don't want to don't have to.
0: Um, yeah. I, I use a very brief kind of um, f- phrase or saying, however you want to put it. And that is, you know, there's a reason why you put a sock on the door on it because you know, You don't want everybody walking in and watching you do the deed. And the bottom line is that wherever WrestlePlug goes and whatever content it does, it is very clearly signposted on the door what it is. So don't walk into a door of a brothel and be surprised and shocked and offended when you see people having sex. That's how it is. Like, you know what is inside. You know what you're going to unpack. Um, So don't, you know... (laughs) Don't don't be stupid. Don't be silly. You know, take a responsibility as to what you're doing as, as well as well. This is the other thing as well. It's so easy to consume things without even bothering to kind of look at it first. Like we just do that now we just kind of go oh okay that's a thing i'll do that and it's like did you stop to think about you know who, who's reading the fine print who's reading the description every single one of our youtube videos has a description how many of you are actually bothered to read that the title is normally a giveaway if we're calling it you know like for instance one of my videos i think i said we watch an absolute storm of wrestling from canada or something you can't possibly think that from that title, oh, these guys are going to be unbelievably pleasant and positive about this experience. <laughs> like you've got to apply sensibility and a little bit of intelligence. And I'm not going to mince my words here. There are a lot of people who are too stupid or don't want to take the responsibility to do that. And that's not really my problem. That's a their that's their problem. That's a you problem. That's not a me problem. If you're I just not-
1: laughing, <laughs> just laughing at the difference. Of the, the examples we've given, I've gone for a daytime TV show, you've gone for a brothel. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah, but that's also the kind of people we are. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because um, obviously, you know, Michael Douglas doesn't know what a brothel is. Bless him. He's a quiet, simple, and innocent man. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm at yeah, the bottom. The bottom line is, we live very different lives, and I'm okay with that. But surely, this podcast is a fine example of how people who have very different outlooks and very different—I'm like I'm a very inflammatory person. I like mm. to curse. I like to swear. I like to make horrendous analogies, as we just know. <laughs> well, but I wouldn't even go- trust me if you think that's horrendous. You do not want to watch WrestlePlug. I could that, month. But um, you know, that's the bottom line. Is that And yet I still get an incredible amount of happiness and satisfaction from sitting down and talking to my dogs. And I can also have a very mature and very eloquent conversation with you. And that is the element of do not assume that just because somebody has put something out in the ether that that is the only facet of their personality and do not assume that just because somebody dresses a certain way or presents themselves in a certain way that they cannot be a very educated and very mindful individual you'd be surprised how many people are always thrown and taken aback by my ability to speak they're like oh wow you you speak really well it's like yes i'm not some big dumb ape who just comes in and hits people with a steel chair like i i have a certain level of intelligence, I have an education, I take pride in the person that I am, and I take pride in learning and, you know, understanding different facets of our life. I'm not you know, human beings are so complex. Maybe not some of the human beings we're watching on our watch alongs. They're, they're not complex yeah. in the slightest. But the bottom line is that the majority of us are incredibly complex individuals. And it is very, very dangerous to throw a blanket over somebody and make a generalisation without truly understanding all facets of them.
1: I think that is, uh, yeah, a very, a very good point and a very nice wrap up, I think, to our conversation, because um in an unprecedented move i'm recording two podcasts in one day which uh, scheduling wise sounded great at the time and i'm <laughs> now realizing so, is that
0: it on, yeah
1: man. no yeah i'm definitely Ew. not cracking up to your five hours there's yeah, no absolutely. way that's happening um it's been really nice to to sit down and have a chat and to hear kind of how things are going i would definitely need to yeah have uh, another talk in a
0: wait uh, when are you cashing uh, in your money true. in the bank
1: it needs to happen soon, doesn't it? I feel Seriously. like I, um, I I have I've got to say I I on the odd bits of of uh, WrestlePlug that I've been catching, I have noticed there is a, a very strong steer away from the the products that I watch more often. So I think it'd be really interesting to to chat about. That is um, a very
0: fancy way of saying I like AEW a lot more than WWE. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Don't think I don't appreciate. Like I can read between lines, honey. Like, I, <laughs> I got that one very easily. I was just like, oh, so you're a big mark for the CM Punk. Look forward uh, to talking about that.
1: Uh, <laughs> you know what? I I I didn't think it was. I didn't think I was that bad until I realised the only the only WWE stuff I was watching. Before, like I I quite liked um for all of my sins of it like I quite liked the Roman and Brock stuff that had happened recently that was the only thing I'd I'd watched the like the highlights of their interactions that's how poor my taste is and then do you know what the AEW stuff has got worse because now now the Roman and Brock stuff is over the only WWE stuff I watch is when Cody's on.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> when your Lord and Saviour has returned to his yes, home. I'm also, nice. if you ever say poor taste with the word Roman Reigns again, oh, you'll be in trouble. Oh, yeah. I, I love Roman Reigns. Now he is he is literally my religion. I I love Roman Reigns. So we will not speak ill of Roman Reigns or <laughs> on the podcast again. So,
1: um. If people do want to find out a bit more about you, Aaron, and some of the stuff you're okay. doing, and obviously wrestle talk and things like that, where um, where's the good place for for them to to go and find out and, and listen in?
0: Well, if you are literally feeling that uneasy about your life and you want to be subjected to horrific content, I can absolutely recommend at WrestlePlug across all forms of social media. Um, We don't really interact too much uh, on Twitter anymore just because I think it's an absolute cesspit of idiocy um we put up you know posts of what our podcasts are and things we're doing but other than that uh, you're better off interacting with us directly or uh, via the youtube channel it's all at wrestle plug wherever you want to go even youtube.com slash um it's very easy to find that's the best place where you can interact with the podcast as i've said before please be warned extremely inflammatory and extremely offensive content um, but there is also a lot of incredible discussion as well for instance on our latest uh audio based podcast we do one every week called the state of wrestling address um there, there was an incredibly heart heart um full i sh- should i say a um a very kind of uh, meaningful debate about representation in wrestling and why there is such a lack of Middle Eastern wrestlers. And, you know, we have a great deal of ethnic diversity and mental diversity as well, uh, mm. across the board with our co-hosts. And that's something I'm extremely proud of. So when people hear me sort of maybe making, you know, for instance, Alex, who comes on, um, you know, he has, um, severe autism, you know, he has Asperger's and, um, he calls himself the King of Asperger style. (laughs) Like, he likes that. Like, you know, he wants to empower that. He wants to kind of weaken people's grip on it being, you know, somewhat of a flaw because it's not. He's a wonderful human being. and. So there is a real payoff there if you are happy to have boundaries pushed. But as I've always said, you know, it's written on the door, be careful, Mm -hmm. because it is content that is not easily consumed by many people. And it certainly is not for anyone under the age of 18. And I make that very clear all the time. And the same goes for my private social media as well. Um, Anyone under the age of 18 uh, will not be you know, allowed to follow or consume my content. Um, obviously knowingly, you know, I can't police it entirely, but it is one of those things and also if you want to check out actual design work uh, and you want to see what i offer in terms of videography design graphic design that kind of stuff um it's erin Nicks design a n design on uh facebook and at erin Nicks design on all forms of social media as well and again there are some inflammatory comments some inflammatory opinions because it is my personal social media but that tends to be a little bit more down to earth uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit more personal based and less character driven than, say, the content that is put out there by WrestlePlug or my persona that I obviously um, work as in the wrestling business because I am not a legitimate Egyptian death machine and I would appreciate it if people stop messaging me assuming that I actually do like murdering people because that is not a thing. Uh, <laughs> it's just no you'd be surprised how many people take this stuff at face value but Mm. those are my social media links so check them out and um rather just very quickly i did mention outcast pro wrestling you can check them out outcast pro wrestling on all social media as well and if you're looking to get into the wrestling business or you've got an inkling about it um that is a really awesome place to start
1: awesome thank you for for coming on mike douglas Follow his oh.
0: social media. <laughs>
1: tell him, send him messages. Tell him, tell
0: him to cash in his money in the bank and also that he needs to be sat down and forced to watch Russian death matches with me. That,
1: that's not happening. Come on. Um. Stop, stop, stop from us, mate. Come on. Yeah.
0: If, you can, um. hey, if you can watch two hours of Rampage, you can watch half an hour of Russians beating each other with... <laughs>
1: um it has been lovely talking to you it uh, has <laughs> yeah yeah oh, has man. yes yes um and uh yeah i look forward to to our our next conversation whenever and wherever that happens it um hopefully will happen is, in... <laughs> it, yes i look forward to it but uh yeah thank you for coming on and sharing your insights
0: thank you very much for your time so have a wonderful afternoon
1: said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything
0: you're not depressed it's it's all in your head that's probably the statement i've had people say the most
1: i mean this 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 shit is real and it's hard it's exhausting sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission to say you just need a little bit of help and i think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it. And they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that.
0: Um, And then they want to talk about it.